32. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And I'm John. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So numbers, right? We're praise God. You're still with us. (laughs) The book of numbers. Um, And it's, it's really is good stuff. And one of the things we talked about before, it's about the people of God being in the wilderness, right? Right. And right now, though, they're still at the foot of Mount Sinai. They haven't actually mm-hmm. took, taken off yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you're going to see in this section, right, is that the people of God must be holy themselves to prepare for holy war, right? Right. And you're going to see in chapter five, both purification and sanctification, right? Where right. God is like, yo, I want you guys to be uh clean because you have to be in my presence to uh, worship me um, when you're clean, but also I need you to be like practically holy, restitution for wrongdoing, you do another person wrong, let me get that, let them get it back and get that 20% too, right? You know how we do it. And then then the marital fidelity, right? So he's going to spend this long section talking about marriage. And one of the things I do want to bring up is that this text is not the only text we should think about. That's when good. we think about what the Bible has to say about marriage, right? It's right. a entire 66 book canon where God is talking more about marriage. And so don't base your whole, you know, theology and paradigm and framework for marriage just on this text. But the yeah. point is here though, that God wants this relationship of marriage to reflect his relationship with Israel. So that's why right. he takes it so serious. And that's why he spends so much time on it, right? Because this was an, another way that they showed their purity, right? Right. Infidelity in marriage, as many of us have experienced, unfortunately, can tear apart communities. Right. right? And the individual decisions that folks were making in their marriage uh, didn't just affect them. It affected everybody. And so we see that togetherness is how they were or holiness is how they will affect their togetherness in the land. Yeah. I I love what you said, bro. Just. This concept of, you know, chapters five through eight, you can be lost in it and all the things that it talks about and tells the tribe to do. But the thing that we uh, settle on is the fact that since God is at the center, every attempt should be made to keep this place holy. Right. And yeah, this we don't form our theology on marriage here (laughs) from five, nor do we form our theology on how God views and treats marriages, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be aspects. These are puzzle pieces. And here we see That's the good. seriousness, the severity, right? If mm-hmm. you've ever been a part of a community of close friends, right? Mm-hmm. And infidelity takes place. It doesn't just affect the couple, like you said, mm-hmm. it affects the whole community and people have to choose and kids have to go somewhere. And there's just all of this strife. And what we see is uh, God's not saying it explicitly, although he's done it in the past, but based on the way uh, these potential sins are being dealt with in the case law that God is giving, mm-hmm. he's expressing and showing implicitly just how destructive sin is. Sin is mm-hmm. never neutral. It's yeah. destructive. It tears apart things and it breaks things down. And God wants his people to do all that they can to ensure, one, that it don't get torn down like that. And two, like you said, where sin robs or steals or tears down, God is a God 
of restoration and rebuilding and restitution. He wants us to build back up. Absolutely. And, um, you know, at, moving on, like he's going to talk about even more ways that the people of God show their holiness. He's going to talk about the Nazarites and this vow that they could take. And they were like the monks and nuns of ancient Israel. Yeah. Right? Um, where they could, anybody could do it, but it was a, a way to consecrate yourself before the Lord, to abstain from certain things, to focus on your relationship with him. And what their whole purpose was to symbolize, again, or epitomize yeah. the holy calling of the nation. So God is, is beating it, beating the same drum over and over and over and over again. And yeah. you even see at the end where he's going to talk about the priestly blessing, right? Right. Uh, the, the Aaronic, the Aaron, uh, Aaron's priestly blessing over the people of God. And it was like about, you know, protection and peace. And we recite it at the end of church uh, a lot at Cornerstone. But one of the things you see here is that when God invokes this, um, he is trying to show them like, before you guys go into the land, I, I'm giving you what you need through my priests, right? right. The priests are the ones who bless the people of God. Same thing with Jesus. Go, go read Ephesians 1, Acts chapter 2, right? The, the priests bless the people of God. And he's like, yo, when y'all go here, y'all not going to lack nothing, right? Right. Is it my, my, my presence, my protection, my blessing, my peace, all of these things, what else do you guys need, right? right. And the text is trying to set us up for something, this this dramatic fall <laughs> that's going to happen. <laughs> right. But God is like, no, 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 I'm giving y'all everything y'all need. So I want you guys to trust me. Right. And once yeah. again, you have to take a step back and look not just at what God's saying, but the picture that's provided, right? Mm -hmm. God is a provider, not just of the material needs of the people, but the spiritual needs, right? Number starts, and this is God preparing his people for a journey and not putting yeah. the weight of preparation on themselves, right? Uh, my daughter's at an age now where when she goes sleep to sleep over at her granny's house, it's like, Ava, all right, here, I need you to pack this bag and do this, right? One, two, three. There was a time where she wasn't old enough to pack a bag herself, to prepare mm. for herself. So what me and Sean had to do was we had to go into her room, pack her bag, and prepare for the journey that she was going to take. This is God preparing for their journey, saying, all right, look, physical needs y'all have, y'all are going to. Y'all have that, this formation. All right, y'all have got that. Keeping me at the center, y'all have got that. All right, here's what it means to keep me at the center. It's more than just about physical formation. It's about spiritual formation and ensuring that this place is being kept holy. Yeah, seven, he's going to bring all these tribal leaders back, right? And they're going to bring their contributions and offerings and give them to the tabernacle, thus reflecting the unity that they have, right. <laughs> the harmony and the unity that they have and that everybody's united in worship. And right. it's reflecting earlier chapters, just like God commanded, all this yeah. good stuff, right? So we have the whole support of the whole community in eight, you know, the, the Levites are going to be consecrated and set apart so they could, could, could so that they could perform their work. And what you see, bro, is that God doesn't just tell us to do stuff without equipping us to do it as well. Right. right? Yep. Like the people of God are equipped to be successful in this life. And success here is making it to the end. Right. right. Like to be faithful in this life. And you just see like the Lord putting every single thing in place. And this is why we say like, yo, again, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? Right. Like you could get bogged down in like, ah, oh, what is what is 
Leviticus, uh, or excuse me, number six have to do with anything. What is number, right? But when you see and step back and see the big picture of what God is trying to say throughout the book, you see that, oh, the Lord gave them everything they needed. And as soon as things got hard, we see how the people reacted. Yeah. God is, God doesn't tell us to cut the grass and give us a pair of scissors, right? Right. God gives us the equipment that we need. Um, And I think that's going to highlight what goes on in the rest of the book in this. No, listen, y'all have had everything that you need. Y'all have had all the food that you need. When you need water, y'all have that. And even in spite of people having everything that they need, they're still going to find a reason to grumble and complain against God, which is going to show the character of them on the inside, but it's also going to be an amazing backdrop to show the character of God and how he patiently deals and bears with us in our irrational and unreasonable complaints. Yeah, let's pray to him right now. Father, we thank you that uh, you are our great shepherd uh, and there's nothing we lack. I pray that we would capitalize upon that truth today and that we will remember it and be grateful, Father. Uh, help us to be grateful for the ways you've blessed us, and we pray that we will remain faithful to you as we journey in the wilderness toward our inheritance. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.